Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. For those of you who walked into the building for the first time today or the first time in a while, what do you guys think? This is our home. It's just a little bit better than West Frederick Middle School and definitely better than your living room, although you did have to put on pants to be here today, which we appreciate, by the way. So this is our home for at least the next five years, and we know that God is going to do amazing things here, and we can't wait. Now, uh, I know you guys have so many questions, and we actually have a ton of stories to share with you all over the next few months, but today I actually want to start by talking about the floors. I'm sure you noticed uh, the floors in the lobby and in the auditorium are concrete. In fact, these are the original concrete floors that are over 20 years old. And you can see as you walk through this building that these floors have history. People have worked on these floors. Walls have been up and then they've been taken down. There's been carpet and tile and more carpet. And these floors are not perfect. And there's a reason why we chose to leave them this way because we thought about covering them up. In fact, before the build out, uh, they actually installed a brand new carpet floor throughout the lobby and we ripped it all up. Um, Partially because it was a very, very ugly greenish brown but also because we wanted the floors to look the way that they do. And here's why. Just like our own lives, we have history. We have stains, we have marks, there are pieces of us that are missing. We have a story to share. And when we walk into church, we often feel like we have to cover it up, right? We often feel like we have to put on our Sunday best and break out our best smile and pretend like everything is okay. But that isn't the point of church, or at least that isn't what we do at Collective. You come as you are, you bring your brokenness, you bring your baggage, you bring your flaws, you bring your imperfections, you bring your doubts, and you don't have to cover them up. One of our values here is you belong here. And this means that Collective is a place where you can be real about your brokenness and real about how Jesus is changing your life. You belong here is about pain, anxiety, self-loathing, failure, fear, insecurity, and the list goes on. So if you are looking for hope, you belong here. If you are swimming in doubts, you belong here. If you're longing for a fresh start, you belong here. If you've been burned by the church, you belong here. If you feel like you're wandering through life without any real community, real purpose, or real joy, you belong here. If you're working your butt off to have the best marriage, best family, best version of yourself possible, and you are looking for people to encourage you in that, you belong here. You belong here. And you are allowed to be real about who you are. You're allowed to be real about what you are struggling with, what you need help with, 
where you are in your faith, where you're failing and where you're succeeding. And I said this last week, and I'm gonna be repeating this for a while. We did not open up our doors today because this space is completely ready. It's not. And the truth is it won't be for a while. We opened up our doors today because we need a place where we can show up and let Jesus work on our souls. So if that is what you are looking for, we're glad you, you're here because we want you to know that you belong here in this church. Now, what I'm gonna do is I actually just wanna pray for you. Um, I wanna pray for this space and really I wanna pray for the future um, that God's gonna bring to this location before I get into today's teaching. So will you guys pray with me? God, we're so thankful for a church home. God, that we're not nomads, we're not homeless anymore, we're not wandering um, through the wilderness, God. And we have a place where uh, we can set up and we can say, God, this is a place where people can see when they drive by on their way to work or when they're driving to get coffee, and they can say, I know I belong in that place. God, I know this is a place where I can go with my baggage and my brokenness and I can be real about who I am because God, I'm real about how much I need you to be working in my life. And so God, we are just so thankful um, for this space. God, we're thankful for the lives that are gonna be changed over the next five years. God, we're thankful for the baptisms we're gonna celebrate, the next steps we're gonna see, the children that are gonna be born, the students that make decisions to follow you. God, we know that there are endless possibilities if we trust you. God, if we move into this next season of our life with open hands, ready to see what you can do at Collective and in Frederick, and really in Maryland, God. And so God, we're just so thankful for today, um, for an opportunity to worship together, <laughs> to see people, to look them in their eyes. Um, but God, ultimately, while we celebrate today, we pray that today is just one little part, the very beginning of a much greater story that you're involved in. God, we thank you uh, for the ways that you love us. We thank you for the ways that you've been with us. Um, God, we thank you, as we sang earlier, that no matter how far away we veer from you or walk away from you, God, that you are always there. God, we're thankful for this next season of this church, um, and we're so excited to celebrate today. God, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. In November of 2019, we started a capital campaign to raise money so we could move into our own space. After renting West Frederick Middle School for two years, we were outgrowing everything, and it was time to level up. In December of 2019, 650 people came to our Christmas Eve services, and we were cruising. The first 10 weeks of 2020, we had our nine largest Sundays ever. We celebrated nine baptisms in those 10 weeks. To say that we had momentum as a church would be an understatement. To be honest, it felt like everything we did, God blessed. The team was growing, collective kids was growing, small groups were growing, our ability to serve and impact Frederick was growing. Like we knew God was with us. We could feel it. We could see it in our own lives and the lives of our friends and family. We could see God moving in Frederick and it was amazing. But you know what happened next. On March 5th, a state of emergency was declared in Maryland. On March 12th, schools were closed. And on March 13th, they told us that we were not allowed to meet at West Frederick for the next few weeks. And of course, we felt like this was temporary. Right? But, but on March 30th, we found out that it wasn't temporary when we were put on stay-at-home orders. In fact, it's been 52 Sundays since we were able to worship together inside. 52 weeks. Today is the anniversary of our last Sunday at West Frederick Middle School, and I wasn't even there. 
Some of you might remember this. Pre-COVID, my wife and I had a standing date night once a month where we would go out uh, without kids, which if you're married, you need a date night without kids. And so we went to this new place that we'd never been to before. And the entire time we were eating, we just weren't feeling it. Like something felt off. To be honest, we thought that the restaurant was overhyped. And after dinner that night, we got home and actually went out to grab a beer with a few of my friends. And while I was out, I got a text from my wife. I said, I'm starting to feel sick, so I'm going to lay down. And then another text. Well, I just threw up, hoping it was food slash alcohol related and not coronavirus, which a year later, that's not as funny as it was at the time, but that's what it was. So I ran home to take care of Ray and the girls, assuming that it was probably food poisoning, but quickly found out it was way worse because all the girls were sick. And after a very long night, I somehow woke up the next morning feeling great. I felt wonderful. But then a few hours into the morning on Saturday, it hit me. And I spent the next 24 hours in the fetal position because I had it way worse than Ray did. And listen, I know you might call that the man flu. (laughs) Hold on. But did you know that a study came out last year that concluded that some scientists believe that the early men evolved to require more prolonged rest while sick to conserve energy to avoid predators? I have to protect my family, okay? (laughs) There are robbers, there are bandits, maybe bears, zombies, I don't know, so I need more rest. Guys, we need more rest. It's not because when we get sick, we're massive babies. It's science. And so that morning while I was weeping openly on the floor of my bathroom, I realized that I couldn't preach the next day. That that just wasn't going to happen. So I texted CT, who's one of our leaders here, and said, hey, will you preach my sermon on Sunday? And then we never went back to West Frederick Middle School. And then came one of the hardest years of our lives. A year full of pain, a year full of isolation, a year that was full of fear, loneliness, Anxiety, self-hatred, addiction, failure, divorce, death, betrayal, hopelessness, anger, sorrow, and so much more that we are still dealing with today. And the truth is we're gonna deal with this for years to come, which is why we're starting this sermon series today. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Promises. And we're gonna look at some of the promises of God that he makes to his people in the Bible. And we're going to focus on four promises that I believe that we need to hear right now, right? These are promises that we need to be holding on to. And this is going to lead up to Easter on April 4th, where we're going to talk about the most important promise that God ever made and Jesus fulfilled when Jesus conquered the grave. Now, when you think about promises, you might not have an optimistic viewpoint, right? Maybe you were promised something by your parents growing up. Right? Maybe they promised they'd pay for college, or maybe you had that hard conversation where they promised they wouldn't get a divorce, or that they'd bring you to Disney World, whatever it may be. But some of you have issues because they didn't hold on to that promise. They didn't keep true to their word. Maybe you've had broken promises from a friend, from a spouse, from a boss. Whatever it may have been, my guess is that you are skeptical anytime you hear someone say, I promise. My oldest daughter, Elise, is the most extroverted human being on the planet. Um, It actually hurts my soul how much she loves to talk to people, uh, especially strangers because I'm an introvert and she always like loops me into the conversation. But uh, anytime she's talking to anyone, I kind of just wait for her to say something incredibly embarrassing about our family um, because she's extroverted and she also doesn't have a filter. 
So in fact, uh, a little over a year ago, we were walking to our car and we bumped into one of our neighbors. Her name is Cheryl. And she ran up to Cheryl and said, good morning, Cheryl. My dad fell down the stairs this morning, <laughs> which she was telling the truth. I did, I slipped on the steps and I tumbled the full way down. It's embarrassing. And it's not really something that I want to share with my elderly neighbor who probably has no problems walking up and down the <laughs> stairs. But Elise really can't help herself. And because of her extroversion, she has trouble going to sleep. And in fact, we often have to incentivize her staying in her room. And this summer, she struggled with this a lot. One night I was putting her to bed and she told me, Dad, I promise I won't leave my room tonight. And then she reached out her pinky and she took it up a notch by saying, I pinky promise. And I was hesitant. Like, did she know how binding a pinky promise was? Did she know that it originated in Japanese culture? And if someone broke a pinky promise, they'd actually have their pinky cut off. That's true, you can look it up. Either way, I took my five-year-old's word and we pinky promised. I went downstairs and I told Ray that I was optimistic that she would stay in her room. And before I even finished that sentence, she was standing on the stairs. <laughs> She'd followed me out of her room like a ninja. And I looked at her like I was betrayed because I was. And I said, you promised, to which she responded, I forgot. <laughs> right? As people, we don't have a great track record when it comes to promises, right? We have broken promises to others. Other people have broken promises to us. And because of that, I think we often approach God's promises with hesitancy, right? We struggle to believe that God will keep his promises. And my hope is that this series will change that. Jim Bergen wrote in his book called No More Dragons that God doesn't owe me anything, but he will keep his promises. God doesn't owe us anything, but he keeps his promises. Joshua 21 says that not one of God's promises have failed. And I believe that. And I hope you do too. Bergen actually goes on to write that faith is trusting in God's promises to give us more than enough mercy grace, love, compassion, and strength during our times of most desperate need. In other words, faith is trusting God's promises hold true even when things are hard. And the first promise we're gonna talk about is probably the one that you need to hold on to the most right now. And so what I want you to do is I want you to write this down. Uh, in case you have forgotten or you got out of the habit while watching online, or maybe you're new to Collective, we are a note-taking church. I want to encourage you to bring a notebook or open up a note-taking app on your phone and really take the time to write down what we talk about each week. And this isn't because I think that I'm particularly wise, but I know God is. And my job as a pastor is just to bring you guys scripture and teach you what the Bible says. And so one of the best things that you can do for your own faith, if you're interested in growing your faith, is to take notes and write down anything we put up on the screen and then go back to that during the week. Right? It's not just a Sunday thing. Write things down and read those things again. Read your Bible again. Pray about those things. Ask questions to friends about those things. So here's the first thing I want you to write, that, write down. I will not be abandoned. I will not be abandoned. Maybe you should underline that a few times as well. God promises that he will never leave you, that he will not walk away from you, that he is always with you. Check this out. The phrase, I will not be abandoned or, or I will not abandon you and similar phrases are found all over the Bible. In Joshua 1 verse five, 
It says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Hebrews 13, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Isaiah 41, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Matthew 28, Jesus says this, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. John 14, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Psalm 27, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And that isn't even all of them. But this promise holds true even when times are hard. The promise that God will not abandon us needs to bring us comfort in times of need or in times of fear or in times of doubt. That no matter what is going on in our lives, the only thing that we always know is true is that God has not left us. It doesn't matter how difficult things are. We know God is with us. And I think it's really important that God constantly brought this up when speaking to people of God. I think it's really important that he brought it up to the Israelites over and over again and that Jesus and Paul repeated it as well. Studies suggest that you need to hear something at least seven times before you begin to remember what you have heard. So God says it to Joshua as he's trying to lead the Israelites into the promised land after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God speaks through Moses as he reminds God's people that they can be strong and courageous because God is actually moving ahead of them and he's not gonna leave them in the dust. God speaks through Isaiah to remind God's people again that God is with them. Paul reminds us not to put our faith in false things that will fail or abandon us, but rather in God who will never fail or abandon us. Jesus tells his own followers, I will not abandon you. David cries out to God that even though he has been abandoned by people in his life, God hasn't. Over and over again in the Bible, God repeats, I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you. You see, God never promised that if you have enough faith and if you manage to keep an impossibly rigorous religious code, then all the bad things will be kept away. That's not actually a promise that God makes. But he does promise that whether our circumstances change for better or worse, we know that we are not alone because he still loves us and because he will take care of us. And I know this is true. And I know you might not be sure, but I can speak to my own life over the past year that God doesn't abandon us. Let's jump back into what I said a few minutes ago. Our capital campaign started, we had record attendance, God was moving and things were going better than we deserved or expected. And then COVID hit and we were shut down just like that. And the first few days were a whirlwind. We actually originally thought we'd be able to meet at West Frederick one more time, which I wanted to do because I wanted a chance to tell you that we would be okay. But we didn't get that opportunity. So we grabbed all the gear that we had and we filmed in a living room on a Saturday afternoon. And then our media team stayed up all night editing and uploading the first week of Collective Online and we didn't even know if it would work. Then Easter was canceled. And not canceled, canceled, but we were told that we wouldn't be able to go into the school until summer. 
And the truth is the hits kept coming. Our nation was falling apart at the seams and all we could do as a church was put out videos. We actually had people leave collective because we weren't meeting in person. We had people leave collective because we put out a video calling racism a sin. We had people leave collective because they didn't like that we required masks at our events. Giving dropped. Groups were not allowed to meet in homes anymore and they were created to have meals and homes together. We were told that we couldn't serve at local organizations in the same ways that we had had in the past out of an abundance of caution, which we understood, but still hurt. People in our church passed away. Easter morning, one of our team members passed away of an overdose. And the next year we had people who passed away from health issues and their funerals were online or closed to people outside of their family. We signed a lease on our first space, which is just down the road, just for the landlord to pull out of the deal and we lost $20,000. It felt like we were driving 90 miles per hour, then ran into a brick wall. And that's just as the pastor of Collective. That doesn't even include a kindergartner who couldn't go to kindergarten or a wife who's an art teacher having to figure out how do I teach art online or not being able to see family, all of it. And there were moments during this past year where I felt lost. There were moments where I would sit in my car and yell, kind of at God, kind of just for the sake of yelling. And I'm just being honest and vulnerable with you all right now, but the two lowest points of being in ministry for me happened last year. The first was in May, when I told some of my closest friends that if COVID lasted until the fall, I was gonna quit because I wasn't built for online church and it was wearing me down. You'd think as an introvert that I loved it, I hated it. The second was just a few months ago when I was struggling and I couldn't sleep. I wasn't hungry, I was frustrated all the time and I just wasn't feeling like myself. And sitting down with Ray, I remember telling her, I think this is what depression feels like. Last year didn't go the way that I had expected. To be honest, it didn't go the way I had planned. It didn't go the way I had prayed for myself, for my family, for collective. And I know you feel the same way. This is just a part of my story, but I know you relate. I know that many of you went through times you never imagined last year. I know that you had moments where you questioned God, where you doubted God, where you were mad at God, where you were wondering where God was, or you were just praying that you would feel God. But that doesn't mean that God abandoned me or collective or you. Because even though things weren't going how we had hoped, God was there. You see, now when I look back at this past year, I see heartache, but here's what I also see. I got an email from a couple in our church allowing us to use a place called The Gog to film Collective Online. And this gave us a safe place where we didn't have to worry about setting up and tearing down each week. Right? We pivoted as a church and we figured out how to do food drives and school supply drives in parking lots all over Frederick. We signed a lease for this building and we got to celebrate together and worship together on our third birthday. As a church, we celebrated 17 baptisms last year, including multiple people who had never even been to Collective, but started while we were online. In fact, in just a few moments, we're gonna celebrate Aaron, who I literally just met because he's one of those people. Aaron had been looking for a church for a while and was actually watching one of our supporting churches called Mosaic. 
And a few weeks ago, I actually got a phone call from the lead pastor because he and most of his staff were quarantining because of COVID. And so on a Wednesday, he asked me to preach on a Sunday in front of people, which I hadn't done in a year. And I was like, this isn't gonna be good, but I'll be there. And Aaron was watching because Aaron lives in Frederick and I've been looking for a church to be a part of where he lived. He checked us out online and today he's getting baptized. And this is what Aaron shared with us. He shared that he went to church when he was younger, but then struggled with addiction and filled himself up with anything other than God. And although he went through a 12 step program in 2011, COVID was a wake up call for him that he still has work to be done. He's come to the realization that this is a life or death decision for him. You see, here's what Aaron understands. He knows that life is hard. He knows that God promises or doesn't promise that things will be easy. But he also knows that the only way he can get through this day and the next and the next is Jesus. And we're gonna celebrate Aaron putting his faith in Jesus and getting baptized. And there really isn't a better way to start this next phase of life. And the truth is the same is true for you. If you've never been baptized, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're trying to figure out where am I putting my hope in this next season of my life, that's where you start. Don't wait. Don't wait for life to get easier. Don't wait for this season to be over. Don't wait until you feel like you're good enough because Jesus doesn't ask you to be perfect. He just asks that you trust him, that you put him first, that you recognize that he will never leave you. And if you're ready to do that, we wanna celebrate that with you as a church. We encourage you to check the baptism box on your connection card and we'll talk this week about what that means. So this past year sucked, straight up. This was one of the worst year of a lot of your lives or at least the worst year in a while. And things are a little bit better now, but they're not great. We're still grieving, we're still frustrated, we're still afraid, we're still struggling, but we can hold on to the promise that God is with us, that he will not abandon us. In your toughest times, he is there. In your lowest moments, he is there. In your grief, he is there. In your mistakes, he is there. In your loneliness, he is there. You will not be abandoned. I will not be abandoned. And I know, I know that some of you feel like you should be abandoned, that God should just move on from you, that God should give up on you, but that isn't how God works, and that isn't how grace works. In fact, when you are your most unlovable, he still loves you. When you are your most defiant toward him, he's still with you. When you hated him, when you walked away from him, when you ignored him, God didn't abandon you. God didn't turn his back on you. God keeps his promises. And he promises that he will never leave you. And that is a promise that you can hold on to. Let's pray. God, we don't, um, we don't understand why you won't leave us. Because the truth is for a lot of us, we've, we've sprinted as far away from you as we can. God, we, we've done everything we can in our life to push you away, to ignore you. Um, God, to create distance between us and you. But God, as we see over and over again in the Bible, it doesn't matter what we are going through, whether it's good or bad, you will not leave us. God, you don't leave us behind. You don't abandon us. God, you love us. 
And we don't deserve it. God, in fact, over this past year, I think a lot of us would say our faith dipped lower than what we wanted it to or what we'd even care to say out loud. But God, we know even through that year and through that moment, you were always there. God, the only distance between us is the one that we try to put, not you. So God, we're thankful. Um, God, we're thankful that you got us through this year. Um, God, we know it's not over and there's a lot of things that we're dealing with, but God, we know that ultimately, if we're gonna work on ourselves, if we're gonna work on our souls, it starts with you. To be honest, God, we know it starts here with community. So God, we're thankful for that. God, we're thankful for the ways you showed up in the past year in our lives. God, I pray that every single person here gets to take a step back this week as we approach one year of this. God, instead of focusing on the pain, they focus on the ways that you were present in their life. God, because we know you're there. We just need to see it. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.